As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to Kotaku Split Screen, the only video game podcast with an exclusive scoop on the hot new game Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. It's February 20th, 2020, and we've got a whole lot to talk about. Jason's back on the show with some stories from his time away, and the three of us talk about the games we're playing, from Maddie's ongoing journey through Death Stranding to Jason's discovery of Enter the Gungeon to my struggles with Dragon's Dogma. We then have our long-awaited Disco Elysium spoiler cast discussion, where we talk about what happened in each of our games and what we think it all meant. We close out with a long, off-topic discussion of the new Apple TV video game comedy Mythic Quest, which is a lot deeper and smarter than it seemed at first. It's a fun show, so stick around. And we are back for another week of Kotaku Split Screen. My name is Kirk Hamilton. I'm so glad that you're all here with us. And I'm glad that my two co-hosts are with me as well. My first co-host, of course, Maddie Myers. Hello, Maddie. Hello. It's me. It is you. It's nice to see you. And it is also nice to see our second co-host, third co-host, my (laughs) second co-host, the second person joining me, the man with the plan, Mr. Bookwriter himself. Jason Schreier. Hello, Jason. Hello. It is so good to be back. There is so much that I've wanted to talk about and so many Twitter notifications telling me to go watch The Wire, which I assume (laughs) was your doing, Kirk. So thank you for that. It was both of our doing. No, I think that that was was spontaneous. I think people just all decided at once. Oh, yeah. It actually had nothing to do with the show at all. We We didn't didn't talk about The the Wire on the show. I also got a bunch of messages about the Triforce, (laughs) something about the Triforce. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about that. First, just welcome back, Jason. Jason, it's nice to have you back. Well, it actually, nice I want to tell again. a story before. Yeah, we talk, how, we get how was into your time off? How, how tell around. us a story. It was good. It was actually really productive. Uh, some people might remember that last year um, we had a long chat about like productivity and internet distractions and stuff yes. like that. I was actually able to like get be much more focused this time, much less distracted, and I have made very good progress. The book is almost done. I have to file a rough draft in the next few weeks, and I am on track for that. So I'm feeling really good about. That I'm is actually, exciting. I'm really happy with the state of the book and the way that it's shaping up. I think it's going to really resonate with a lot of people. Um, and I will talk more specifics about that later on. I have a, I have a question. You yeah. said you were more productive and less distracted. Did you do anything specific to make yourself more productive? No, not really. Um, I just, just kind of just had... got your shit together. <laughs> it's, writing, it's kind of like you, you either have a good day, you either have good, you have good days and bad days, like straight up. And this time mm-hmm. I just happen to have more good days than I did bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the last time I had book leave, I like found out, I don't remember if I actually talked about this publicly, but I found out in the middle of book leave that like I would have to switch publishers and that like threw me off for like two or three days straight. Wow. Um, that was a whole dramatic saga that I'll get into yeah. another time. But basically my editor, 
editor on the first book wound up leaving, and then the person that he that that he was replaced with on my book also wound up leaving, and I wound up cycling through editors, and it was just not a good situation. Sounds like maybe mm. publishing is like an unstable industry or something. Mm. Who would have thought? Uh, you'd be actually the funny thing is that it is it totally is, but books are like people still read books, people still buy books, oh, yeah, which is great, true. which makes me very happy because people are still reading. Books um, are so great, yeah, so man. They're great. Books are great. So the book is them. on track. Um, and yeah, I'll talk more specifics because I know a lot of people are just like wondering what the hell this thing is. Basically, yeah. it's about volatility in the video game industry. But I'll talk more about it when we're like closer to actually coming to out the with time. the thing. Which I, thought it was like, like, I thought it was like Destiny fanfic. I thought you were working on Destiny fanfic. No, that's my Like Lord Saladin book. and his, his relationships. I thought it was about how stable the industry is. I'm really shocked by all of this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, uh, that's also fanfic. <laughs> Video game industry stability fan fiction. Um, so yeah, so that'll probably be out in like early 2021. So nice. talk more about it closer to then. But I have a story for you guys. You guys okay. ready for a wild story about what happened to me? So Absolutely. last week, um, my wife and I are in our apartment. We've just put the baby to sleep. We're chilling. And I get a phone call from one of my best friends. Um, and he says, hey, uh, I'm walking down your street right now. And uh, is your building on fire? And I'm <laughs> I'm like, what? Not that I know of. He's like, um, I'm pretty sure your building is on fire. And so, like, I hang up and I run downstairs. And well, no, I didn't run downstairs. First, I like made some calls. Like, called the front desk. I was like, what's the deal? Like, nobody picked up. Um, so, I, it's a good uh, my wife and I are talking about it. We're like, what should we do? So we take the baby, pack a couple things. I grab my laptop and we run down to the lobby. Right. Um, our neighbors, like, in the same on our on our floor also came down with us because they're like what's going on what's going on right um we get to the lobby it's full of firefighters and residents and it is like pandemonium it is like insanity right um we're like what's going on what's going on there's like a fire on the 20 something floor like 20 floors above me there is a fire um, and no and fire alarm went no off no fire alarm no evacuation what i found out and what i actually knew but my wife really wanted to go down but um you're actually supposed to stay in your apartment because we have a fireproof building so you're actually safer just staying inside um mm. because if uh if they close it, like wherever the fire is, as long as they close the door to their apartment, it can't actually leave because the walls mm. are concrete or whatever the, the material is that actually keeps fire insulated. So it wound up being restricted to that, uh, that, uh, apartment. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. It, people saw, so my friend later told me that he saw like an actual explosion because the firefighters came in and they like wow. smashed a window and like blew water everywhere. And there was like a like glass falling everywhere. It was like straight up. He was like, this was like basically like watching a disaster in action. He, it was, it was insanity. Um, wow. The people downstairs were crazy. There was like a, a, a bunch of firemen like set up this remote table, like workstation and they had like blueprints in front of them and like, like computers and and it was wild. It was like walking cool. into the set of wow. a movie. Um, just firefighters running around everywhere. There were tons of them just standing around, um, even as because I guess not all of them need to go upstairs. So they're just like a ton of people, ton of cops. Yeah, they were and telekinetically stopping the fire. They, they were, were just thinking they were, really, really hard. They were using they their were. fire. Bending. So we sat in the lobby for like forty-five <laughs> minutes. Um, we kept asking different people, like, "Is it okay to go back upstairs?" And we got different answers from different so firefighters. Yeah, very, it, was, like, it was very disaster. uncoordinated. Yes. Um, yeah. it was just a very strange experience. And we were like. 
like it wasn't I don't know how to describe it because we weren't like super nervous or anything because it didn't really feel like we were in danger at any point like nobody was panicking or saying like the fire is spreading like it was very clear that they almost immediately I mean New York City's fire department is just like like top notch like they deal with this shit all the time so it was very clear that they got the fire controlled right away which was good turns out uh, the dude who lived there died um, and it, yeah. he was like an elderly man apparently he was a big smoker and they think that's how the fire got started is like he fell asleep with a cigarette or something like that um but yeah man new york city living gonna be a fire in your building at some point i guess it's nice at least that it didn't mean the whole building burned down because there have been so many horror stories of you know big buildings full of people catching on fire so yep yeah you live in a safe building older buildings yeah i think this is because this is like a little bit newer it's built with fireproof material but yeah if it was a non-fireproof building then that whole floor might have been decimated right um but what really sucks other than the dude who died which is really tragic and sad and people a, a couple people were in the apartment and also got injured what really sucks is that like there there is water damage and smoke damage in the neighboring apartments and then the apartments below them because when the firefighters came sure. in and like sprayed water everywhere it like drips down and could destroy an entire apartment full of stuff and like just all your stuff gets wrecked because you happen to be below the apartment that where the fire was that super sucks so yeah just a, a wild experience would not recommend it um i give this a two <laughs> okay. thumbs down i would say okay. so that the was Yelp my review is largely that was critical leave, in a nutshell um so yeah, yeah just tell a me fire. about tell me about this whole uh triforce thing <laughs> yeah this so, isn't related to the fire this is a this is a real topic change. <laughs> so we mentioned last week and Maddie, I know you have some thoughts on this, so maybe I'll explain what happened. Because I, I want to remember hear why what, it came up. So if you do, you that's great. We, I think we were just riffing, and then <laughs> I was like, "Well, which Triforce are each of us? Me, you, and Jason." And a bunch of people wrote in, and there was a consensus among listeners. And I don't have uh-huh. the numbers here, but pretty much everybody agreed that Jason is the Power Triforce, Maddie is the Courage Triforce, and I am the Wisdom Triforce. There were okay. a lot of different. Explanations for that, though. Kev, listener Kevin did write in with a very thought out, very different, um, of, and it was very different. It was like each one was completely different. And okay. Maddie, I know you have thoughts on this, so I'm curious. <laughs> What your I just take think is. this is wrong. I, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like this is a classic example of how people uh, they kind of know us because they they listen to us talk every week, but but they don't really. Ah, uh, so this is they our split screen personas versus. I think the actual answer is that I am the power triforce okay. and Jason is the courage triforce. And okay. Kirk, you're still wisdom because you're still the Princess Zelda of the bunch, and I mean that <laughs> is the highest compliment. Oh, I'll and take it. I, you know, I, I know myself pretty well. I've, I've been promoted at Kotaku three times. <laughs> I <laughs> charisma my way onto this podcast. I, I really think I'm the Ganondorf of the bunch. Mm, and okay. also knowing Jason fairly, fairly well. It is. It's all, it's how I operate. I just manipulate people until they do what I want. <laughs> and Jason is, He's a very brave person. He's courageous. And I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I did feel survive like a, a fire. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, he geez, survived a fire, but I, I just think it's reflected in his work and actions in life and career choice. I just, I feel like that mm-hmm. embodies mm-hmm. his spirit. And that's not to say I'm not courageous. I just, I think I operate more on a power differential is all. That's, that's all that. I'll say about that. that. All right. That's a good take. <laughs> so that's Maddie's take. Interesting. Interesting. What do you guys think? Do you feel like this is inaccurate? 
Um, or accurate. I, I think they're all pretty good qualities. They so are. I mean, they they're all, all Barnum statements right, exactly. anyway. Like, it's, it's nice. There isn't one that's like the shithead Triforce, <laughs> and then one of us has to be that. Um, so I'll, I'll take it. And I'm not ultra familiar with each of the Triforces, though hearing your explanation, Maddie, helps me understand them a little bit better. And, so Maddie is power, sure. I'm courage, and Kirk is incompetence. Yes, Kirk, yeah. Kirk is like the fuck up Triforce. <laughs> yeah, like Kirk keeps losing control of Hyrule, which is really messed up. And like, I don't... I didn't want to bring it up, but like it keeps happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's basically the same as astrology, and not, you know it doesn't matter. Right, but it's really right. fun. Anybody can apply to anything. <laughs> Still kind of fun. Thanks yeah. everybody who shared their theories on uh, who is which Triforce. So it's sort of a fun thing. Let's make mm-hmm. this intro last forever, Kirk. You have a story that you want to tell. I do. I, I wrote this down. Well, this can segue into games I'm playing since the games I'm playing are both on Switch. So maybe I'll tell my Switch story along with talking a little bit about the games that I'm playing. That's my yeah. way of like bigfooting and saying I'm going first. Okay, so why don't you go sure. first then? <laughs> yeah. So I'm playing um, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen on Switch. A couple episodes ago, when you were out, Jason, we had on Paul Tomeo, he talked to us about um, Dragon's Dogma and described the game in a very appealing way. And I've known mm-hmm. that a lot of people like this game, a lot of people whose opinions I both respect and also kind of tend to line up with have said that it's really good so i wanted to play it and i had it on pc i had a press copy on pc for a long time but it's like an older rpg with a lot of grinding and like repetitive stuff that's a little weird and those kinds of games tend to work well on switch so i bought it on switch and started playing it so first i'm gonna tell my scary switch story and that is i haven't been playing anything on switch i kind of move from like one gaming platform to another and I then focus on that one for a while. Do you both do mm-hmm. this? Is this just me? I feel like this is a thing. No, no. but it totally lines up with how you play games lately, <laughs> which is this whole, sure. I'm going to play a game until I complete it. And I would buy that that would also lock you into, well, I'm right. already playing a PlayStation 4 game. Why not right. look at the rest of the Stay PlayStation the PS4. 4 games I happen yeah. to be playing? Yeah, there'll be like times where I'm like playing, like when I was, I'll play a bunch of Spider-Man and then a bunch of like God of War and New Game Plus and I kind of stay on the PS4. I haven't played PS4 in forever, except for, I guess, Death Stranding. It is a great console. I mean, That's all and then there I've are times, playing. there are totally times where I'm playing Switch, just Switch, just Switch, 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 Switch. It's hard to say Switch fast. Um, ton of Switch, 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 Switch. Um, switch and switch. I hadn't been doing that. I've been I'm playing not doing switch. it. You scary can't Switch stories. Scary Switch stories. Scary, scary Switch, switch story. stories to tell in the dark. Um, <laughs> send us your best Switch tongue twisters. Full screen at Kotaku.com. Um, <laughs> so I'd, I, uh, I had been playing a lot of PC stuff. And then I, you know, so anyways, I started playing this. So I hadn't been playing my Switch. And then I take it and I start downloading the game. This was like, I decided to buy it at like midnight and then just plugged in my Switch and went to bed. And in the morning I turn on my Switch and there's this like white line on the right side of the screen, like a vertical Mm -hmm. line that's kind of coming up. Yeah, it's like the backlight. It looks like the backlight. You know how on the monitor you can see the backlight when it goes to a black screen, you can kind of see those little, but it's like that's gotten really big and it's going across the screen. And I'm like... Fuck. Oh, so no. that's my my first thought is fuck. The screen is fucked. So I'm thinking, okay, I mean, I got this Switch for free from Nintendo when I reviewed the Switch. So I'm like, worst case, I have to finally buy a Switch like anybody else. Boohoo. But I'm still like, you know, that would be annoying. And then I play the Dragon's Dogma and I'm like, well, will I really notice it? And it's not that noticeable. And then I'm like, wow, it's really not noticeable. And then I realize that's because it's, it's not, gone. it's going away. Uh-huh. And the more I played, the more it went away until it was gone. 
So then Dragon's it was gone. Dogma cured your switch. It was so. I'm like playing, and this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what this is. I don't know what caused it, but hey, it, it's fixed, I guess. So then I plug in my switch that night. Um, or actually that evening I plug it in and it charges and then I pick it up and it's back and the stupid thing is back. I'm like, okay, well, what did I do to make it go back? I charged the thing. So then I start doing some, uh, some Googling. This is one of the things that I Google, not DuckDuckGo because I need to find forum posts. And I'm like, who has this problem? And I find someone who says they've had this problem. They've had the white lines on the switch and that the solution was to completely drain the battery. And then it went away. So that's what I did. I played Dragon's Dogma until the battery completely died. It has not come back. That fixed it. This is some kind of weird thing where, like, if the battery is supercharged all the time, which I know can cause some weird stuff to happen if you never deplete your battery, that yeah. then it interacts with the backlight and maybe overpowers it or something like that. I'm just sort of Interesting. guessing. Anyways. Weird. If anyone listening has this problem <laughs> has, with your switch, or if you yeah. ever do, which you may, um, I'm sure it's not a great sign for like the long-term health of my switch, but uh, I fixed it, and now huh. it works. And there's no better feeling than when something like that happens, and then, you, and then it actually goes away, <laughs> because wow, it never yeah. does. That never happens. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, well, talk. I guess I, I guess I should talk about the video game. Sure. That was like the most exciting The ghost that was in your switch. So yeah, so... Dragon's Dogma. Um, have you either of you did? Do you play any of this, Jason? You were saying I played you were a thinking second about it. You it. played a second. Yeah. What did you think of the second that you played? <laughs> I wasn't compelled enough to keep going. Really. You just looked at the title screen. You very. Like, you probably like, oh, pure, like played just played the, the intro. Beginning. Yeah, yeah. And well, so everyone had been saying, "Oh my god, the combat's so good. The combat's so good." And I played the intro, mm-hmm. and it was like, "The combat is fine. Like whatever." <laughs> yeah. So this game, all right, to explain this game is a Capcom game from 2012 that originally came out as Dragon's Dogma. It became one of those kind of games that people talk about, sort of cult, cult underrated thing. Then they released Dark Arisen, which polished a lot of things, changed a lot of things, made it a little more user friendly, added some fast travel, which was completely missing, I guess, or like like infinite fast travel was missing from the game initially, made it a little more user-friendly and added this thing called Bitter Black Isle, which is an expansion that's more like a Dark Souls kind of standalone, cool, structured thing where you like risk progress and go in and I I haven't done it yet because it's high level. So that made it way better. And then everyone's like, oh, wow, like this sort of weird uh, diamond in the rough is now a little bit more of a diamond. It's easier to get into. It's been released a bunch of times over the years and now it's on Switch. It came out last year on Switch. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like a third-person combat, Monster Hunter meets Dark Souls meets open-world RPG thing um, that's very much like a weird, weird Skyrim. Like, it's very, um, or I shouldn't say weird. It feels like those games, like a Skyrim-type game made by people who have made Monster Hunter and have made, you know, Japanese action games, kind of. Like, it has that more of that vibe. It's really opaque. It doesn't explain a lot of stuff very well. And it requires a lot of patience. And so I struggled with it. Like, it was fun. And I do think the combat's pretty fun. I was playing as a fighter. And I played a few hours. And, like, I just kept... It's, like, a very odd game. And I... You know, it doesn't... It's it's very kind of quiet. It has a kind of a Dark Souls atmosphere. Like, the UI and the sound effects. And just the fact that you're in this big, weird, kind of oppressive world walking around. You have to walk everywhere. There's just not a lot of the kind of accoutrements you're used to with, like, an open-world game that where everything is telling you where to go and what to do. It just isn't there. You get your quests and you can look at them, but it's not clear which ones are story quests or, like, what you should be doing. Um, and... 
you know, I wasn't feeling it. I tweeted out, just, I was kind of like, okay, I'm not sure about this game. It seems like it's something I might get into. I know people really love this. How do I get into it? People advised me change character classes. I did that. I'm playing an archer now. It's more fun. Um, you have a bow and daggers, so you can like shoot people and then go stab them. And that's like, add some variety to it. Sounds like a fantasy game. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's fun. I find myself wanting to keep playing it. Like when I think about should I do I want to keep playing this? And then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so then I pick up the <laughs> switch and I play some more. Which I guess that doesn't sound gripping, but it is like it is fun. And I am finding the combat more and more fun the more the more I play it. I can tell it's the kind of thing that you get more into. I think it's really structured around new game pluses and starting over and like playing more. One thing that's in it that's pretty cool is the pawn system. And Paul talked about this a little bit, but I can I'm gonna kind of try to describe it myself. So you have a party in this game. You're like the arisen. To give you a sense of like the lore of this game. Okay, so the beginning of Skyrim is here. I've been talking so long. Uh, Maddie, what happens at the beginning of Skyrim? <laughs> uh, you mean, do you, you're the dragonborn? You like have the power yeah. to talk to dragons? Is that where you're going with this? Is yeah, there, like is what's this the opening you mission? Draw? Well, you're a like, prisoner in the Civil War. Yeah, and, you're getting, and then like, you're about to get executed, and then the mm-hmm. dragon comes and sure, right, sure, right. And there's a big battle and then you flee and then you have to pick sides basically although not really picking sides because it's a fake out and yeah there's a lot of stuff (laughs) okay so yeah it begins with this dragon sequence right that everybody knows that then they replace it with thomas the tank engine or like randy macho man savage or whatever we've seen it a million times okay so this game also begins with a weird big scene with a dragon and in, in this game, a dragon shows up to your fishing village that you're hanging out in and starts wrecking shit because it's like, its eyes are all cloudy. It's not clear what's going on. Just this dragon drops out of a portal in the sky and then it's and huge it's got a fucking bad dragon. Cold. Yeah. And this dragon is like definitely more badass than the dragons in Skyrim. This thing is the size of a town. It's like crazy looking and it just starts wrecking shit. And everyone's the like trying to fight Skyrim, it. You can kill it like level five. Those, yeah. Those and then they're just, they're cool and everything. But this they dragon is cool. like a yeah. massive, towering, like JRPG boss. And, um, and you run up to its feet and you're hitting it Dark Souls style with your little sword. And then your guy like sticks his sword into it and its eyes clear up. So like your guy does something. He kind of is like the first person to injure it and that makes it kind of wake up. And then, and then it like knocks your dude down and then it it like looks at you and it says a bunch of shit in like dragon language. It's like, right. It's so it's like very similar, right? It's all like it's kind of scary. But then it like it like hits your your chest with its claw and pulls your heart out. <laughs> and it's Whoa. like your guy's like, Ugh! and then like it, it takes your heart, and then the heart is like glowing, and the dragon's like, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, nah, and it eats your heart, <laughs> and then it flies away. And then your dude like wakes up and he's alive, even though the dragon ate his heart. So it's like just more interesting, kind of, or a weirder, like you're like, okay, <laughs> so what is this game? So there's definitely this, there's cool stuff going on. Like I played that, and I was like, well, this is definitely a more distinct vision than just I'm some prisoner and then a dragon attacks and then I flee and they're going for this like verisimilitude cinematic thing mm-hmm. so that's I'm interested um, the pawn thing though so you have a party you create a pawn there's a whole race of people who aren't quite human but look human and they come from a parallel dimension and they just like help humans out and they're called pawns and that's their deal like they're like in the lore as like this other race of human looking people and you create a pawn and then your pawn becomes your permanent like sidekick companion your Lydia if you will and your pawn then goes into your the internet. Carl. 
Your house, Carl. <laughs> exactly. It's your, your house, Carl. And your pawn goes into the internet, and then other people can recruit your pawn because you can have two more pawns in your party. So your party is for mm. your player character, your pawn, and then two from the internet. And you can constantly go and recruit new ones up to your level. So you're constantly like cycling in and out to get newer ones that are like other people's pawns. And if you're friends with someone on the Switch, you can like recruit their pawn for free. So like, I gotta get um, Heather uh, Heather Alexander's friend code because I think she's really high level, and I bet her pawn is like a badass. <laughs> And then I could just have her yeah. pawn come to my game and wreck shit. I think she even like tweeted about this or something. But I want to have that. So you get these <laughs> pawns in your game and they all like basically, okay, a couple funny things about pawns. Uh, okay, first of all, there's like set voices that you assign in the game. And um, you assign your pawn a voice like from a voice preset. And then mm -hmm. the pawns talk and they say like, they talk all the fucking time. And it's a whole thing in this game. It's like, when I started tweeting about it, everyone was making jokes about this. Like, they'll just be like, wolves hunting packs. And every time wolves like, are attacking you, some idiot in your party is yelling about that. Or they hate fire. Or what, there's like a bunch of lines that they say. So they're always talking. But there's this thing where like, if you get a pawn that has, I think it's if you get a pawn that has the same voice preset as your pawn, they put a voice filter on it. So suddenly, like, you'll get a pawn and you'll go talk to this guy and he'll be like, hello, I would love to help you. And you're like, cool, you're the right level. Come join me. And then you're in the world and he sounds like fucking Bane. Like, he'll be like, the wolves, you need to help the thing. Like, he has a weird <laughs> voice filter that drops his voice like two octaves. So then there's just a guy that sounds like this monster, like yelling shit at you. Or they'll jump it up two octaves and it's like, and it's it's very like obviously has a filter on it and I don't fucking get it and I'm game. playing the game and it's very that's very weird so that's well, they one want thing. you to be able to distinguish between the pawns because they, they do. all have yes. you know colorfully painted personalities precisely that you need to be yeah able they to want decipher. you to know who's talking and it works like I'm like oh it's that weirdo with the chipmunk voices now like telling me things but it's weird and the other funny thing about pawns and uh, is that. <laughs> I've read a lot of tips articles. This game lends itself to tips articles. You want to read the tips articles to know what to do because it doesn't tell you what to do. So you're like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm going to go read the articles. I've read a lot at a lot of different publications. They all have a lot of tips about pawns. And it's so funny the many different ways that games writers have found to say, make your pawn a hot chick. <laughs> Because you want people to recruit your pawn because you get points. And they're all saying the same thing. Like, they're all wow. finding ways to talk around But they're around finding that. ways not to say that. Right. They're just like, they're like, people will be more likely to recruit your pawn if you happen to choose a female fighter, perhaps wearing even, these outfits. Like, yes, they'll be like, aesthetics matter. Like, don't make your pawn <laughs> into a weird matter. troll character. Just like in real life, your yes. appearance will matter more than Where, almost anything else about you. And then sometimes they'll just you. be like, sometimes they'll just be like, straight up, like, make your character look as much like an anime babe as possible because that is the one that it will be most likely to be recruited but it's very funny why is funny it good for your pawn to be recruited does it help you you get level points if, yeah you like oh, get points dumb. if people recruit your pawn right <laughs> yeah so like you, this is the world's greatest <laughs> social experiment it's really funny because and i haven't even noticed like playing the game like i don't care and like pawns all look like whatever they all just they all just look like people. Like there aren't. I'm not, not noticing a lot of like scantily clad, whatever pawns. Like well, people yeah, are reading the tips, I guess. I guess people aren't. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny because I'm like, huh? Like there's so many different ways of like trying to diplomatically tell someone like to like creepily customize your like personal slave to be like the most attractive female <laughs> character ever. But like it's so I just it made me laugh the more I read. It.
Florida. I was like, video wow. games, man. This is the most video games. <laughs> video games, games right indeed. Now. Video games wow. indeed. I can't wait Garbage. until the new so, Animal Crossing comes out and all the tips are basically like if you want people to come to your island, make sure all your roads <laughs> Make it hot. Are. Make it right. spicy. Draw make a bunch spicy of dicks island. with your yeah. Um, make sense. fire right, island Kirk, or else Kirk, no one's any other care. games or No, I will have more thoughts. I'm gonna keep playing it, but that's that's what I got for now. Maddie, what about you? Uh, so I'm still playing Death Stranding. You don't know this, Jason, but I, I've been trying to <laughs> finish this game, and I don't know. I it's just going to take me You've ten been billion about years how you to finish it. Uh, yeah, and I'm back on it, and mm-hmm. I am still in the middle of the game, which lasts forever. It's I don't know middle. what chapter I'm on, like six or seven at this point, and there's 14 of them, a thing I've Googled a few times. A lot of walking <laughs> how, around. Have you how considered much just watching longer the cutscenes? do I have too? left? I have strongly game. considered just watching the cutscenes, because I'm yeah. really mm-hmm. enjoying the cutscenes. This game is a real cutscenes as reward type of experience. Yeah, like yeah. You do a bunch of really tedious shit, and then you just get to settle in and just watch some real really strange idea that (laughs) Kojima came up with and you just watch it. You just watch it and you think to yourself, actors did this. An actor (laughs) ran across (laughs) a field Uh pretending that she was getting rained on while wearing almost no clothing because she has to save a town. I won't go into detail (laughs) about why she does this and I won't describe who does it because I'm going (laughs) to evade spoilers, but that's in there. Just like a really long pan over a character's body. There's also a ghost baby. I met a ghost baby in this game and I was like, all Mm -hmm. right, you know, I'm carrying a baby around that's like between worlds, but, but now there's also this ghost baby that that exists and i don't really know what the deal is with it i i don't know (laughs) you know i played i played this game for a really long time and i don't know if i could tell you anything that's happened in it but i I feel like i feel like around when i met the ghost baby i was like i'm back in you know like last week I, I thought me. it was out. Last week I was kind of getting fed up with it. I was doing a lot of missions and I was hiking around a lot and I was kind of bored mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if zip lines are exciting enough for me to care <laughs> about this game, but I got zip lines. So that's cool. That and cool. like, I don't know. I, I got to the, the ghost baby. I got to like a cool Mads Mikkelsen scene slash boss fight that I thought was fun to play and interesting. And so I'm, I'm I, there's some cool shit. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I wish I enjoyed the fundamental part of hiking around the game more. I mm-hmm. did enjoy it for like the first 10 hours and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm chill with this. And like you get more and more stuff as it goes along. You get cooler vehicles, you can, get, you can build roads and so on. And it becomes easier to navigate the terrain once you can like hike on a concrete road for sure. Like yeah. the game does get easier as it goes along. But it's just a lot of, a lot of like, Getting a mission and then being like, that is really far away from where I am now. (laughs) And just looking at the map and being like, chill, chill, chill. I am going to have to go through a lot of extremely difficult terrain in order to achieve this mission. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> and then you do and it. Are you playing off it? Go to YouTube. It's too bad because the Metal Gear Solid games are all just like the moment-to-moment gameplay is amazing, and so you enjoy it. Right. Also, at least uh, up until five. I don't totally agree with that. I'm just gonna pick a bone that sometimes I find the earlier Metal Gear games aren't very fun, but that's just me. Mm. Like mechanically, I, it also I, depends so much on what you find fun. It isn't. It wasn't until five that there was a control scheme that felt good to me, but that's just my thing. The other game. thing that was nice about all the Metal Gear games was at least until five uh they were all relatively short like you could beat them all in like 20 hours or under right whereas this game is easily 60 90 i mean it depends on how long how many missions you want to do but i i guess also say like 
different people have different senses of whether this game is compelling or fun or not. Like Heather really loved building stuff. I just don't play that many simulations, simulation games in general. And like Mm. that many open world kind of games where you can make the world what you want it to be. Like, I'm never going to be a no man's sky person. Like give me a linear story any day and Mm. I will enjoy it. Or, or like a disco Elysium where it's not a linear story, but you choose a path and like a story is unfolded before you. I love that shit as well, which is probably why I like the story so much in Death Stranding weird as it is. I'm like really enjoying seeing right. it proceed but the part the rest of the game where you're just in this like sandbox where you can like figure out how to traverse some sort of absurd piece of terrain and it's almost like a puzzle <laughs> i don't i don't know i wish i liked mm. it i totally get why someone would like it and what's compelling about it but i'm just not that person anyway i'll probably still beat it um i'm just listening getting a lot of podcast listening done while i'm while i'm like <laughs> hiking around that's true it's good for that <laughs> i'm curious I'm getting i have one up, question you know Go I'm curious it. about the on. Are you finding the online stuff compelling? Like the way that other oh, people's sure. stuff turns up in yeah, your game? Yeah, so cool? it is cool. So for some, for anybody who like doesn't know how Death Stranding works at all, this is how it works from the very beginning of the game. Almost every mission is set up such that you are venturing into a place where the ghost internet, which also connects to the real internet, <laughs> is right. not yet set up. Yes, so you're, you're nearly always hiking into a place with only the tools on your back, be it a ladder, zipline, whatever you've got, a motorcycle if you can manage to drive it, truck, whatever. Whatever tools you can take with you, plus your delivery, are all you've got to get into that mission area initially. And then once you deliver that package, usually in the, in the rest of the game, the person who you deliver it to is like, great, connect me to the ghost internet. I'm, I'm tapped in, I'm ready to connect. And then you connect and you watch an extremely long cutscene of the freaking connection process that lasts for like three minutes and you, you've seen it 10 million times and that's when you get a glass of water and then you come back and that's over. And now when you hike back, you are connected to the internet in the game and every other player's ladders, ropes, all of their shit suddenly springs up on right. the map for you and there are signs where they like it's often like funny stuff mm-hmm. or like they'll tell emotes you where the bts are yeah. or like emotes or like places where people have decided to pee like on conan o'brien's house and stuff <laughs> right, in the game right. and like that's great like that feeling of being like sweet now i'm like connected to this larger world and i get to like see everybody's stuff and it's always easier on the way back plus you've done it once so you know where everything is and you're like oh that like freaking annoying place you get there and there's like six ladders or whatever because like everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. put it up but it's like heartening almost right, and right. You do get People that dopamine together, hit each time. Yeah. Connecting. Of like each person had the same irritating experience that I did coming to this stupid place and delivering <laughs> this stupid thing. And then you're walking back and you're like, yeah, man, like this sucked. And we all put a ladder here. Yeah, like yeah. There, I do like that part of the game a lot. It's nice. just that the other part is annoying and right. it never really stops being <laughs> annoying for me. So that's just, that's just how it is. That's how the game works. Oh, well. Yeah. Interesting. So, I want to play more someday. someday. I'll just tell you what happens. Honestly, or don't that. worry or about that. it. Don't worry <laughs> right. about it. You can just do a spoiler debrief <laughs> yeah. at some point. I've gotten to the point. I'm actually, I've been playing Trails of Cold Steel 2, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, and I'm getting to the point where it's become very tedious, and I'm considering just watching all the cutscenes on YouTube in preparation for Trails no of Cold Steel 3. No shame in it, man. You only live some once, games. man. You only live once. <laughs> it's better. Um, but I want to talk about a couple of other games that I've been playing yeah. the past few weeks. First of all, I'm playing this game called Aviary Attorney, which is like Phoenix, right? Except with birds. Um, this is that would have been game. my guess. <laughs> just if I had to guess just based on the name, what it was. That's it's weird because Phoenix Wright should also be a bird, you yes, know. Phoenix anyway, should also keep going. That's a good point. 
Um, and so it's it's interesting. It's it's pretty charming. Um, I'm not super far into it yet, but I'm enjoying what I'm playing so far. It's set in 1840s France, right before the French Revolution of 1848. Um, it's pretty hmm. pretty silly game. Uh, and unlike Phoenix, right, you can actually like miss pieces of evidence or make wrong decisions that send you towards Ooh. a bad ending. So it's um, like a, a game. Then. <laughs> so it's like a video game. If you fuck night. up, you lose. It's so, wild. I love Phoenix Wright. <laughs> Don't email me. But it could actually be pretty frustrating because at one point I like accidentally misclicked something where it was like, do you want to, do you really want to leave this scene? Like we haven't really looked at everything yet. And I accidentally like misclicked yes and lost an entire Ooh. day of progress and I had to like restart. So it can be a little unforgiving in that sense. And that's a little frustrating, but I've enjoyed what I played so far. And then the game I wanted to talk about is, so I have been, uh, as part of my book, one of the games that I'm writing about in the book, one of the groups of people that I'm writing about in the book are the people who made this game called Enter the Gungeon. Have either of you guys yeah. heard of it or played it? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, so haven't played Enter it. the Gungeon was a pretty popular game. Came out a few years ago. It is like a roguelike bullet hell type game where you play as this as one of a few different classes, and you go into this gungeon it's called and you fight all these enemies that look like guns and like or puns based on different types of bullets and guns and whatnot and you collect different types of guns upwards of like 100 and you get different weapons based on your run and it's basically it's in the vein of like Binding of Isaac and all the other roguelike games that have come out over the past few years and at first I didn't think I would like it and I was just playing it for research purposes because I'm not really usually into roguelikes they I have a hard time just like sticking with them and they are rare to captivate me I'm unless they're like so genius ingenious the way that like into the breaches um but then i started playing it and i got addicted and now i'm super hooked on this game because it's so (laughs) well done in so many ways um just the sheer variety of the different guns that you'll find on each playthrough make it feel different every time you go in because on one playthrough you might find this super overpowered gun that just like destroys enemies and you wreck them and then you die and then you don't have that gun anymore so you have to start again and then you get stuck with like some shotgun or some lousy you you can find a banana that turns into grenades so i found a banana and threw it threw it at people (laughs) and i kept missing that original overpowered gun that I had so I was like chasing that high by like continuing to go in and like look for that same gun and there's all sorts of reasons to keep playing um it feels really good the dodge roll is really cool and you can like dodge over bullets um as part of this like dodge roll mechanic if you like time Mm -hmm. it right um Mm -hmm. and it's just a super well designed super fun game it's one of those games that like after it's released it was updated for like five straight years with free updates and content and stuff it's like one of those it's got um, that so kind of really Binding cool. of Isaac quality. Are you yes, what's, exactly. What are you playing on? Are you playing on PC? On Switch, I'm playing or? on PC um, with okay. a controller. You need to play with a controller. Like I can't imagine yeah, yeah. playing with a mouse and keyboard. But I can totally see myself buying it on Switch just so I can play it like while watching TV or mm-hmm. something because it's it's one of those types of games. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's really fun to just like dive in for like half an hour because you can play it in really short sessions. You just do a run sure. and see how far you can get. And One of the appeals die. of roguelikes, it should be yes. said, is that Although, you can play a session and then... Yeah, this appeals to me so much more than like Dead Cells ever did. Like I appreciated Dead Cells, but this is just maybe because the moment to moment gameplay is just a lot more fun and the excitement of like finding new levels and finding new chests with guns in them is really fun. There are just yeah. so many different like perks and items and guns you can get on I each mean, run. Dead Cells is really fun and has great items, but, <laughs> but like yeah, I don't in know. your Sounds opinion, like I mean sucks. you're talking about your own experience. <laughs> I will say when I played Dead Cells, it felt like I was getting a lot of the same items over and over again. Like every single time I would get some I 
slice shooting thing or some specific yeah, type of yeah. gun. That's this is fair. like there's a right. lot it's of not variety maybe as ridiculous. in yeah, this yeah. game. Um there's yeah. I mean I really enjoyed it. I actually think that both of you would enjoy this game quite a bit. I'm um, sure I would. Yeah. So mm. worth worth giving it a shot. Um, mm. and that is it for me. And so why don't we take a little break and then talk about some disco Elysium spoilers, shall we? Yes. Yay. Hello, I'm Melissa Kirsch. And I'm Alice Bradley. And we're the hosts of Lifehackers podcast, The Upgrade. The Upgrade is a show about all of the ways you can improve your life. That means how to be happier and healthier and more successful and more productive and just generally better in every way. We talk about stuff like sex. Very few people are like, please jackhammer me for another 45 minutes. Psychedelics. You don't just go on the diving board when you're five years old and jump in the deep end because that would be traumatic. And psychopaths. Giving you exactly what you need or want without maybe you being aware that you want it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Abu, and I want to tell you about a great new show, The Gaming Ride Home Podcast. It's a video game news show. All the headlines, rumors, reviews, hardware leaks, release date confirmations, and more delivered to you every day at 5 p.m., just in time for that commute home. The show is hosted by former Game Informer and IGN writer Kyle Hilliard, and it's only about 15 to 20 minutes long. The perfect length. Kyle is online all day, every day, reading those tweets, catching up on those rumors, and consolidating the chatter in the world of gaming so that he can catch you up on everything that's happened while you were busy living your life. This is the latest show from the Ride Home Podcast Network, so search your podcast app right now and subscribe to Gaming Ride Home. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, shall we talk about Disco Elysium now that we've all finished it? Yes. Shall we? Do you remember shall what we? happened in it, Jason? <laughs> What's that? It was weeks ago for you. You played yeah, it no, weeks I, ago. Do you remember I, it what happened? It was months ago for me. Um, it was on wow. my, my paternity leave, like the first four weeks after my baby was born that I finished the game. Cool. Um, Summarize so, the entire game and list every proper noun in it. <laughs> so I guess we should, we should do like a spoiler warning here, right? Yes. That like we're going we're gonna to do this... Uh, May we? We're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah. We're gonna spoil this game. I have a I have an idea for. I wrote down some prompts for us to talk about with this game, okay. but um, I have an idea for how we can start. I'm going to ask you both some questions okay. about your detective that I want to know the answer to before we get this into it fun. because I feel like this is the true story of Disco Elysium. Is who were you? Who did you become? Mm. Not what happened. Not who did it. But who who are you? So here's my first question. Jason, did you shave? Um, yes. Okay. Maddie, did you shave? I save scummed before the shave prompt and I <laughs> shaved and I found out that Kim didn't like it and I went back and I got that thing back. Fascinating. Yeah. Maddie um, already <laughs> revealing so much about her playthrough. I know. In this one oh, I did some saves coming too. Um, Jason, did you regret <laughs> shaving? I, that's my follow up to that question. No. Um, <laughs> I believe I left him with a mustache, and so it was like a, a fun, fun. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That I feel right. like I missed the the way to do that. Like I failed whatever check you can do where you I can keep the mustache shaved. but not yeah. shave everything. Yeah, I fully shaved and looked terrible, wild. and I was like, "Wow, okay, I regret <laughs> it." Um, okay, so that's that's one question. Uh, another question. Uh, I'll start with Maddie. You first. Were you a communist? 
Yes. I yes. Was. Jason, were you a communist? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I think I was like kind of a centrist with communist tendencies, but I don't know. I didn't go like hard into communism. It's yeah, hard to do remember. because the communist characters in this game are themselves complicated. So they're like if you fully side with the union, which is like the communist route, mm-hmm. then you have to agree with what the union's doing, which most people I think wouldn't because they're corrupt as well. Mm-hmm. So right. I I don't remember what my full score was, but I got a lot of like communist there's a there's a score in the games mm-hmm. back end of like how many times you answered questions with a communist bent and with a fascist bent and mm-hmm. with a centrist bent and like it like tells you what you did. And I think I had like the most communist answers, but there were certainly some uh there's right. some neoliberalism creeping in, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was, I've played I was other video similar. games and I, I have the both sides gamer mentality that yes. I would fall into from time to time. <laughs> yes, same, similar. There um, is no democratic socialist option in this uh, in this game. Not really. Can no. really be a Bernie Sanders. I think some of these questions will actually reveal like I think that I'm guessing Our that politics. we actually I, no, well, and like how we play the game because like it tells you how you play the game and I think I'm guessing we actually yeah. probably all kind of played sort of similarly. So I'm also looking at the Steam achievements, which BTW are really fun to look at and really mm-hmm. good um, because the achievements in this game are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, did um, Jason? Did you recruit Kim Kitsuragi to join the uh, to join your precinct at, at the, the end? end? Yes. Yeah, you did. Yes. Maddie, did you? I did. I did too. Jason, do you agree that Kim Kitsuragi is like the greatest character of all time? <laughs> he is awesome. Yes. He is. He is uh, very Maddie, good. how do you feel about that? Uh, Harry and Kim are dating. So, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I love Kim Kitsuragi and I also recruited him. Um, I don't know. What are, what are some other questions I can ask? Now I'm just kind of. Well, now I'm just are you going to ask here. how who survived the fight in each of our cases? Oh, and, that's and a good who question. we had with us the at the end of the fight. game? Yeah. Who died in your gunfight, Maddie? Okay, so Kim actually survived my gunfight yes. and was with me all the way through to the end of the game. Same for me. Um, most of the Hardy boys died, unfortunately, and the lawyer lady died, and I felt really bad about that. There were only a couple oh, of them that made it, mm-hmm. and so I talked to them afterwards about like whether they could continue it and like what that looks like for them. There's sort of some prompts you can do about how to mm-hmm. instill some confidence in the remaining, I believe it's two Hardy Boys. Well, wow. the remaining wow. ones start a mystery troupe, and they go out and Not in become my game. detectives. <laughs> no, I'm, that's a joke, because they're the Hardy oh, Boys. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that's the kind yeah, of thing that would think, happen in this game. I think I had but, more than two left. A few of them got killed, and one guy ran away. He was like a coward. Ooh. But I am kind of curious. Now, I wish I'd, I wish I'd written this down specifically, because I don't know if I remember the particulars. But there were so many roles in that fight. This is great. Yes. yes that's, let's talk about this fight. So what happened? Maybe, Maddie, you, you seem like you remember yours. What happened in your fight? Do you remember? <laughs> like the specifics? Uh, yeah. So there's, I know there's, the is there's so a good. lot of options early on where you can try to talk your way out of the fight. And mm-hmm. I kept trying to choose those and the game kept kind of not mocking me, but sort of pushing back against my attempts right. to talk my way out of it. As I said before, I had like a very high empathy score and a lot of the other affiliated traits mm-hmm. with that. So I was kind of like, how far can I get out of this without having to actually use my gun? I believe I also managed to find, I think you can get 
two bullets and I think I only managed to find one of them. Same. And like after one. the fact, I was like, I, I, there's another way that you can get to, but I like messed it up. So I only had one bullet in my gun. So I was like, this could really go south and I won't, I won't be able to defend myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember how I used the bullet. I think I failed anyway. Like, <laughs> I don't think it worked out for oh, interesting. me. Okay. Um, but I do know that I succeeded at the check where I can protect Kim so, like, yep. I think you get shot in the leg no matter what. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you can fail that. I, I mean, I think it's, like, 97% likelihood that you will, but, like, it, no matter what, it's, like, unpassable. Like, yeah. I looked on Reddit and a bunch of people were, like, I try, I, like, put on all the armor. I, like, did, I leveled up every possible thing in order to not get yeah. Harry shot at the end. But no matter what, you get shot in the leg because the armor doesn't protect and the like part the of your leg where you're shot. And because, like, the narrative requires you to pass out. Right, because you like, wake yeah, up it's and like you're injured. one of... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the only checks in the game where, as far as I know, it's like a lie and they may as well just put it's 100% likely right. or 0% likely or whatever, because you're going to get shot no matter what. Well, as I far think as that also happens tell. at the mural at the end, because you have to get the mural to open up to like let you figure out where Ruby is. Oh, you is. can fail that check. No, 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 you no, You can no, no. absolutely no, fail once, once you get to the point, because that number boosts up every time you do something in the vicinity, and so you can fail it at first. But then eventually, once you've done everything, like gone on the date and... And um, talk to the other dudes. You get it to ninety-seven percent, and then it's a, because that's the only way to get Ruby and proceed. So that I game. feel though is is different than what Maddie is talking about because the there no, are no, totally no. What these I'm times. Is, what I'm saying is that at the end it'll get it'll say that it's a ninety-seven percent, but it'll be in a hundred percent check because otherwise you can't proceed. Once you've gotten right. it to the highest possible state, it'll say ninety-seven because right. there's no. Those, those at like least, I, I really like those kinds of rolls where they give you those where like they give incremental, you yeah, increases. Although that just one was kind of kinda weird because it's just random things that you have to do. It doesn't really make a ton of sense, but. Well, there's it. it's a little bit magical. Like the and way I, the shivers ability mm-hmm. even works is like you have some psychic abilities yeah. <laughs> like right. you just yeah. know yeah. what's yeah. going yeah. on yeah. and it's based funny on like the way that the, it, the way it describes in these very terse language why you're getting a boost sometimes mm-hmm. is very funny as well yeah. it is but very yeah funny. i was curious about that anyways i want to hear more about what happened i guess but i was curious like can you fail these roles can you pass these because sometimes i'm like this just feels like it has to go this one way and the game is railroading me a little bit which is i'm fine with this is not a complaint it's just yeah. something like There's i'm wondering what's going on places. under the hood where that happens i you know you can definitely fail that shivers check and i'm the reason i know that jason is because i didn't go on the date because i just didn't want to i didn't either so i just (laughs) i just had to i just was like well my shivers isn't as high as it otherwise could be so i'm just gonna save scum until i can pass it because i know i have to get past this because i've done everything (laughs) you can't fail that permanently well no but you can always you you can always just go to a previous save or put another point into shivers yeah you guys and your saves coming i feel like i try not to the safe scum in this game because there was the a point there a couple were times where I did. good yeah there was a point at which i decided not to do it anymore and that was when i found ruby i think her name is mm-hmm. and she kills herself in front of me i don't know yeah. what happened with you guys if she did that or not she i think there's also, other ways she can die she can also escape um she if she gets yeah. the better escape. of you she escapes yeah. and then there's also i think there's a route uh, for me she killed herself but i think there's also a route where she um where you like can arrest her uh, and you send her to the priest and you bring her to the precinct. I think that's possible. I'm not 100% mm. sure. 
Yeah. yeah. So that was around when I was like, okay, so she killed herself. I could go back and try to get more information out of her before that happens. But I just chose not to because I was like, I wonder what happens if I don't do that. And pretty yeah. much from that point in the game onward, I was like, I'm just going to ride this train wherever it takes me and not like fuck around too much. Although up to that point, I'll admit I had been fucking around quite a bit and being like, <laughs> what happens if I do this? I what think, happens if I do I think that? I totally, I'm totally with you on that. And I think the game almost feels engineered to in- make you feel that way. Way. because mm-hmm. obviously some people are like total purist you know hardcore jason schreiers who just don't save scum at all but i think mm-hmm. that a lot of people I did items come play um <laughs> i think that people play like you you play at the beginning and you're like wow i failed that role you know your instincts if you've played any of these games are like let's try it again and yeah. you do that maybe a few times but there's a point where the game makes it kind of clear that it's not that kind of a game like that there's just you're gonna get to the ending no matter what, you're not going to fail the game. It's not a Sierra game or something where you're going to get in a cul-de-sac and you just fucked. Like, so it actually well, doesn't really matter. Die. And it's right around there. If you make that you can't die. you can die. Well, that's different though. Like that is, that's not save scumming. <laughs> right, that's you, you die and you load no a, you just thing. reload an auto save. Like that's different, but it puts you in these situations. And I think the Ruby situation is a good one. This is when she's blasting you with this crazy sound. And uh-huh. man, I'll yes. say it here that the sound, the music in this game is so good. At first I was a little really like, good. what is with the music? It's so strange. Like that music that plays at the whirling and rags every time. Yeah. And I was like, it's such an <laughs> odd song. What is this? It is like, really weird. But over time, it, it has such a vibe like it's so good and then when shit gets crazy like in that moment when you're both like kind of cowering holding your head and like this horrible thing is playing it's so intense and like the screen is so intense and you're like slowly dying and you keep taking uh-huh. health damage from it that <laughs> sequence it goes on long enough that toward the end is where the big checks are there's like a couple at the very end of the sequence and it's definitely kind of saying you're not you could do this whole sequence again if you want one it's unpleasant just because it's like bad sounding and your guy is suffering and two like do you really want to do this all again and so it's like a smart way i think of encouraging that and then the shootout which maybe i'll try to say what happened in my shootout it was really similar where i loved the shootout sequence like the shootout sequence in this game is like this amazing like whatever like fulcrum point in the story because it Mm -hmm. puts you in it's so smartly done you're you're in the situation where all of the characters you've interacted with or like pretty much all the main characters are on one side of a conflict so it isn't it suddenly isn't this like weird do i trust the shady union guy or the shady corporate lady like do Mm -hmm. i work with these guys who killed the guy who's good who's bad it puts you in actually a pretty straightforward situation it's like all the people who you, some of them are assholes and some of them are cool, are on this side. And then on the other side, there's like these three anonymous shithead mercs who just want to kill everybody. Like, and it's, so it's like not actually, it's like the one non gray area situation in the game. That's interesting. I didn't see it that way. I feel like the mercs are sympathetic in the sense mm. that if you talk to them, they like have, like, one guy has like severe PTSD. Did you talk to the scab guy, the guy mm-hmm. who's posing as the scab? Yeah. About yeah. his whole situation? Like, Hearing about those guys, I was like, man, they're really fucked up in ways that are beyond them. And it's not to say I sympathize at all, yeah. per se. It's more like you empathize. Sure. Maybe empathy and is a I better guess, word. Right. The way I that should, they're like, unwilling I, to compromise is more along the lines of it's, like... Right. What, like what right. I, I guess that's about. more what I'm saying. Like, it is yeah, a, yeah, that yeah. is true. They're all people. And I mean, it's a shitty situation that goes wrong. Like, it's not seen as you're a hero, even though some people treat you that way afterward. Right. And it's not like you feel great killing people. Like, I, my guy, like I had one bullet... Anymore. 
it's like humans that, that you know on one side and these like kind of like PTSD driven machines on the other side that like are, there's no reasoning with you realize. Uh, that wasn't how I felt anyways but I did feel as though because they were this unstoppable escalating force I was forced to choose sides and the right. game forces you to choose sides in a way that felt narratively justified and well, like can you yeah. even choose their side I feel like you no, can't really. I like, it's so. like that's what I mean like it forces you to I mean quote choose sides and like if right. you're looking at it just as a, if it were a story I mean you can try to de-escalate which is basically what I did and like I wasn't fail. Yeah, taking any work. side per se I was right. trying to do the gamer route of being like I'm on no one's side I, everybody, everybody's making they good points side quest quest. for me to do later right. <laughs> yeah so wait um, so what did you guys or do you want to finish what you were talking because yeah let, let me finish yeah. talking through it just because the experience of playing that sequence was one of the most it was such an amazing experience for me because it was that same feeling of gradual escalation far past a save point like far past the point of no return of this this thing spiraling out of control in a way that i knew the game was doing this to me like i'm like uh i see what they're doing like i'm being put in this like this you know grinder situation where i just have to get through it and then when it really gets violent and people start shooting first of all it felt like a truer depiction of violence than almost any video game because it's just like chaos things are going wrong you like i i think i tried to punch someone and i like missed and i fall down Mm -hmm. and then like Kim is trying to help me up and this woman I think comes up behind him and then I killed her and it's like really kind of horrifying and just everything happens all at once and it's so confusing and like it's not you know it just it doesn't feel like any other violence section in a video game but then also the way that they layer the roles where you have some really hard roles then you have some really easy roles where you're like definitely going to make them and then some really hard ones again and you try to you're not going to like John Wick through it and like dodge all the bullets and kill everybody like it's just a mess and that and then it's such an important narrative point too because afterward everybody changes how they think of you and given how much shit you eat in the first half of the story the way that some people like respect you now and like you but you don't really feel great about it but Mm -hmm. you do feel kind of tied into like this place and these people and like their struggle and you come out of the whirling in rags and there's that huge sign on the ground that's like in gasoline and you can just fucking light it on fire i don't know like that whole sequence of the game was so good i i i just i loved it and that was okay so that's a good segue because i was gonna ask you guys what you think of what happens after that because i actually think that the game kind of like like took a little bit of a nosedive after that that kind of climax. Totally disagree. Scene. I disagree um, with you so much. Well, that's why I'm curious to hear your perspective because <laughs> yeah. that was the point where I felt like, okay, there's only one possible outcome, one possible way for this all to end. And it just winds up like railroading you in a certain direction. You get to the island, you find out, you meet the dude, you see the cryptid, you meet up with the cops, and then your ending is determined in kind of this, uh, uh, in, in the way that you like. To describe your actions or defend your actions to the cops and they just go over everything in this kind of fun little dialogue tree. Um, there are a couple of things I didn't like about that whole sequence. One being that I don't think, I think the sign of a good murder mystery when a game is like fundamentally or any sort of story is fundamentally about the murder mystery is that like you should be able to figure it out what happened like pretty close to the beginning. You should be able to have, like you should be able to properly guess what happened because it shouldn't be a deus ex machina or a character that comes in at the end that you, there's no way you could have known about that actually was responsible for the murder all alone. There should 
should be enough like tiny little clues that at the end you're like, oh my god, of course it was this person. Like, why didn't so, I see it? That's the best murder mystery. Let me let me pick my bone with this critique, <laughs> and that is that I don't think that's what this game is trying to do because I don't think this story is a murder mystery. I think it's more of a noir, or at least it's taking a lot yeah, more from the world of noir. And a noir isn't really like that. Like if you watch Chinatown or something, like it's like that's not really the idea. It's much more this kind of flawed protagonist getting buffered, buffeted by forces outside of their control, and it winds up being yeah. more about a person's place and perspective on these huge, you know, on a society or on a town or on a culture, a group of people. And that's sort of more the story they're trying to tell. So by having it just be like, oh, it was this guy. It was this dude, this weird dude on the island. That's like a really satisfying solution for me for narrative or it's reasons. perhaps unsatisfying. I mean, I, I think I felt more like it's unsatisfying intentionally in the sense that it's like, oh, it's this other guy who has his own conflict. Like he right. was in the war. He has his own hangups that are beyond all of this. And well, yes and no. Or I guess like my, so with that guy, I found him like he's deliberately unsatisfying in the way that you're saying narratively. Like if this is right. a murder mystery, that is a subversion of it because noir is all about that kind of subverting. And it's like not about giving you clues so you can piece it together and then figure it out before the end. But I think that in terms of the story, I think he's a he's an amazing person for it to be because he's like a metaphor for your character. Like he's this your character is this guy whose life fell apart and his wife left him because he's an alcoholic and his whole life fell apart on him and he lost and he who he was. And he can't move on. And it and was he, like six years ago so that they broke up, which is an right. absurdly long amount and the of way time. That, and they do a fantastic job, like through those dream sequences and his flashbacks, his like repressed memories coming back of like how much it hurt him and how hard his heart was broken is like really well done. And he's a guy who's like been trapped in this moment for all these years. And that's who the killer is too. He's like a guy who was on the wrong side of a revolution that lost and has been on an island, literally on an island, like living alone for years and like just like bitterly watching the world through the scope of a sniper rifle which is like an amazing metaphor for harry for if that's if you choose to yeah, name harry or like, like a certain dark way that harry could go exactly. because they emphasize that guy's misogyny like in such a hard yep. way like the extent to which he hates the woman that he killed and that that plays a role and that he's like mm -hmm. watching her through this rifle and imagining all these things about her life and that's mm -hmm. part of it for him like there's the political aspect of it but it's also really just about him hating women and their sexuality specifically. Right. He's which, so into that he killed the guy while they were having sex. Yeah, like, yeah, and like that, so it's like an emotional, personal reason for him, but it's also this like huge big picture thing, and I don't I don't know that the game really nails this landing. Like, I, I think it introduces some, some good shit with Harry in terms of like his perspective on women and like, mm -hmm. I was trying to play Harry as sort of a closeted bisexual, so I like had my own sort of reading about this and, and, that, and like kind of being did like oh this is like a more homosexual agenda? interesting i did i learned the homosexual agenda and it does not it, it doesn't allow harry to like fully realize his queerness but it's like a really fun it doesn't contradict it either which i really liked nice. and i feel like there's there's plenty of text in the game that allows you to read harry as a bi character like they they absolutely allow you to to do mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. but but he's also very much a character who's super hung up on his ex and that and is it's it's a huge part of who he is and i 
I I felt like there there are parts of it that are very dude like in a noir way where I was like mm-hmm. this game is really leaning on like this particular kind of dude who can't get over a woman perspective that it's fine like I get why that was what they chose to do but I I don't know also if you guys didn't play the homosexual agenda thing then you don't know that Kim is actually gay right Oh well, no! Did you I didn't know that? know that. It's yes, kind of hinted he, at. He comes out to That's you. That's true. I guess it game. is sort of suggested. There are definitely well, he, some he, pretty strong it's clues. In there. Yeah. Well, anyway, he tells you, oh, if, you cool. if you unlock that, and it's fun. So that's that. I don't even have to invent. I enjoyed but, all the anyway. plot lines with that dude, with the the dude who like charms Harry. And the Harry. smoking dude. Yeah. Yes. I feel like <laughs> the Harry dude on the balcony. Confused about that dude. So there's definitely. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I that, like that, I like that guy a lot. The, <laughs> the all their interactions because he's nev- he's so unflappable. Fun. Like he's so fucking cool, and Harry is always flapped <laughs> by him. Like, he's just like I, Harry what is, is never about this guy. Yeah. But you know that whole dream sequence with Harry and his ex wife ex girlfriend whatever and the mm-hmm. sort of confluence between her character and the sort of other like, religious figure right, Jesus Christ I, figure that was something that I thought was cool but I just wanted them to have thought about it for maybe five more minutes because I was just like what are you saying about like mm. some of the few yeah. women who are in your game like you're presenting these male characters as like having a sense of politics and class consciousness and then you're sort of showing me this woman in Harry's past who like didn't get it and was like this sort of character who left him to be a part of this middle class life and like I, I was kind of like alright chill like there are relationships that go that way and like that's what breaks them up but I guess I just wanted a little bit more and like the game I don't know it's it it just wanted a little more from the female characters but yeah. maybe in the sequel they'll go there. No I don't that's know. an interesting take. <laughs> like the stuff with Dolores Day sometimes I struggle with understanding how I feel about it just like from a critical point of view just yeah, because yeah. there's so much there and I yeah. like I find myself frustrated looking at like I don't know the the big the mural of Dolores Day or the thing on the wall and you can like offer the her stained figures. glass thing there's a lot this game is really going after religion in yes. a way that's pretty big and ambitious but I and don't feminizing fully... it and I was like also I don't true. know if that's intentional or not <laughs> right well, but well that's interesting that in their Christ figure is a woman there's a lot mm-hmm. there's this whole society is fascinating but I I guess so I came away not knowing what they were saying with which mm-hmm. kind of matches up with what you're saying and that it's like okay so what's your point and making <laughs> Harry's ex into in the dream into figure her. of her into her like what does yeah. that mean that's that is a good point like at least in terms of like yeah, why I don't did have, they like, do that yeah I like a take where I'm like this is bad or good I just was genuinely sure, sure. like what does it mean and I mean right. I guess while we're talking about what I does mean, it mean we can talk about the cryptid and like I there's love so much other shit what in this game where I was like I mean oh, my no. take was kind of that like Dolores Day was this inciting incident for the entire war and so Harry's mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend is the inciting incident for his entire world oh sure um, okay. I interpreted sure. it that way I buy that interpretation that works that works but it's also like you know fuck women am I right which is then why it's kind of interesting <laughs> that the final character is like a criticism of that if it, I don't really read it that way it felt to me it's so yeah, interesting I mean, that, so when I was watching that scene I just read her as being like this normal ass woman who wanted to get away from this like like obsessive <laughs> well, yeah. like creepy dude who just like wouldn't stop stalking her and she just struck me as like perfectly normal and making decisions that were best for her I never got the interpret I never got from her character that she was like like mistreating him or like being a bitch or anything like that sure 
I wouldn't say so, but Dolores Day is presented as like a genocidal, like crusading fixture within society. So you have to, I mean, I guess charitably, well, I would interpret. Well, only to some people. Some people like worship her. She's kind of like a, a typical religious figure in that some people right. call her like a genocidal maniac and some people call her a goddess. Her people who, like, do horrible things wrong. in her name. It's like, it's right. based on your interpret, like different interpretations of her. I agree yeah. that the game is definitely like the, it's it's about male characters like that you know if he <laughs> sure. you're I mean just if you're making the main character a guy and this game is so so concerned with who you are and who you choose to be you spend all this time inside this guy's head and that's you know you view the whole thing through his perspective which is like I guess a necessary shortcoming of that approach or at least a limitation it's, I mean shortcoming. I yeah, it's just it's the way the game is. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's bad or good. I right. thought it was interesting to like live inside this guy's head and just be like the fact that the game bothers to navigate misogyny specifically is like an, an outlook that you can have along with like racism and all of mm-hmm. these other outlooks. And the way that it depicts the idea of you internalizing something in your brain and forgetting it. I, I really liked it, even though it's like very video gamey. I was like, this is kind of how a thought feels sometimes. Pretty crazy that they pulled that off. Like that the yeah, thought process and, itself is a system in this game that makes sense yeah, mechanically. <laughs> and <laughs> like I don't think is. I've seen a game do that ever. So even the stuff yeah, that I'm yeah. like, I don't know how we're supposed to take this it's not like a mark against the game if anything it's a strength in some ways it's just the fact that you can interpret it so many different ways but I mean you have this you have these lists of questions Kirk and I, I don't even know if I can answer them where you're yeah, like what know, is the game's guiding ethos and is there an overriding political statement I I'm not sure, but I I also haven't intentionally tried to play the game as like a racist fascist. And I I have heard just from Mm -hmm. online that if you do that, the game does rebuke you. And like Kim will call you out for your racist views, which makes total sense because he does that with other characters in the game that you see. So like if you are playing as a racist, like your your Asian partner is going to call you out. Like that makes sense to me that that would be a part of it. So in that sense, I guess you could say it's at least an explicitly anti racist game and potentially an anti-misogynist game but beyond that it's it it gets to that humanity thing i think this was something i said a a little while ago when we were talking about the game that like to me the number one idea that this game is exploring is just like the people that exist within complex political systems and the fact that their humanity is itself like it stands alone as its own thing and it is not entirely defined by or you know independent of the systems in which they exist. And that's like a kind of a profound statement for a video game to make only because so many video games make you the like most important, most powerful person who like decides the course of all of fucking history. And this game yeah. is very much not interested in that uh, in a way that's really cool. And that, I mean, it even gets down to like, you know, if you choose to play as a racist, this, the things that you will, the, the um, repercussions you'll suffer for those you know, the things you say or for being like, you know, saying racist things about Kim is that Kim won't like you, which is like also a very human approach to it. And they're taking a kind of a hands off approach in terms of the game. Of course, there's a lot of wry writing and like you can tell the people writing this game aren't like racists or fascists or anything like. But um, but I think that they're, they they make it pretty subtle and it's much more just like, well, if you act this way, people are going to respond this way to you in this world. Like these characters are all people and their humanity is kind of the center thing for good and for ill. And that, I think, is like a really ambitious and 
profound thing for a game to mm-hmm. to take yeah, on. Yeah, it feels to me like the ethos of this game, if there is one, is that even the person, even someone who is the rock bottom of rock bottom, can still find a way to redeem themselves and make choices that like that make them uh, noble in a way. It feels to me like like there a lot of people came into this game, or like there's almost a the surface of this game feels very nihilistic. Like, oh my god, you tried to get the tie and you had a heart attack and you died immediately. Like this game is gonna fuck you up. But it's actually a game about like that total opposite and how like there's redemption. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the capability of redemption and everybody can can do the right thing. Even someone yeah, who and is the just, struggle, like, right? It like lives. it makes room for the struggle and for how it's always a challenge. Like you're out if you're an alcoholic like your alcoholism will be this specter haunting you that'll like be there like making you fuck up sometimes like though it like personifies so many of the things that bring us down in life as people which is also like really powerful shit like for a game to be about god it's when actually, you sleep it's very and, it's very uh, reminiscent of bojack horseman which i watched the finale you know, of, yeah it's um, got a little bojack yeah it's very very similar in that it's like yeah, although I guess the things that Bojack has done are way, way worse and way harder to redeem than the things well, that Harry did. Well, and like Bojack's great strength in this final season has been the way that they've shifted focus to the at, to the ruins he's left in his way, yeah. which this game yeah. does too. But they've and I haven't finished, so no spoilers. But like, it's very clear to me that they're saying, and now what about all the people and the lives that he's hurt and the people he's hurt and right. to, hell, the people who have died because of him? Like, it's very like concerned with that, which is very interesting. In this game gets into that somewhat but is it's kind of a, still about the main character it's well, like the opposite Harry, like the Harry first doesn't. half is you having to deal with all of this i'd shit. have to think a lot more about this comparison <laughs> this is a that's a very interesting comparison well harry doesn't hurt people in uh, the same way like he has the worst in his past mm, he has previously and sure. so this game is like you reckoning with him being an asshole before and right. like now you're trying to do right from, and you have amnesia so you're given this like plot tool that lets you kind of start fresh which right. is like and yes. it, it doesn't, doesn't feel like you it's different when you see something on the screen as opposed to like it yes. doesn't feel this like, does, like yeah. this is a very good like uh, think piece that I would read though about Bojack Horseman <laughs> Bojack, and yeah. Harry Dubois <laughs> and like the yeah. this archetype and like dismantling yeah it I won't get cool. into Bojack spoilers because people might not have finished it and I know you guys haven't oh, yeah. finished it I either at least I'm you haven't actively cared. watching it but, it's um, very very good we should talk yeah, about the cryptid before we wrap this up we I should do talk, about talk about the cryptid, cryptid. okay because that sequence is fucking amazing that's did the other sequence did you all see it so did you all see it because some people no, they don't. No, are you sure? Wow. Yes. <laughs> you can just not see it. I apparently, read if you don't, it, I, guess I, could be wrong. I, I could be wrong as well, but apparently if you don't do any cryptid stuff, you don't see it. And I'm, oh, that makes me never, sad. Oh, maybe if you never even talk yeah, to Yeah, like them. if you don't, if you don't talk to them, you don't get to run into the cryptid. I could be wrong about this. People mm-hmm. can write in. Well, and it would say make sense that if you never, if the game never established for you what a cryptid actually is, because you never talked to the cryptologist, then you wouldn't see yes. it. That makes sense. Then you me, wouldn't know, and you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't understand all, what it is. Did you all take the picture of the cryptid? Did you get a photo? Yes, yes, I, I did. did too. Yep, it, it felt really prove good. Prove the that. cops. <laughs> prove to the cops that. Yep, we yeah, wound up being very helpful. Um, yeah, so uh, the cryptid is climate change, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> there are so many. Well, that's like, so that's where this game, I mean, everything in that final chapter, I was always already talking about how this character is kind of a metaphor for Harry. And there's everything is operating on this metaphorical level that video games do not fuck with, like almost <laughs> ever, right? Like I'm, I'm speaking generally, and I know that there are metaphors in games and you can read them into them. But I, 
I was amazed at some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, like they I don't just, hold your hand for this metaphor no, either. Like, like it's I I compared it to Death Stranding on this show, and like one key difference is that Death Stranding's metaphors are extremely <laughs> right, anvil. Right. You are have in a terms baby of weight. <laughs> that you carry with you. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's really literal. Like uh-huh. the ghost internet is the real internet, and it's going to connect <laughs> us all and unite us. But anyway, this I'm game kind is of offended not that. that you compared Disco Elysium to Death Stranding. You should go back and listen to that. Up. It's an comparison of how very different. It made sense. Yeah, I struggled with with like trying to figure out what the cryptic meant cryptid meant other than it being just like a funny joke or like like a fun little twist. And I might just Did you talk to the the cryptid? Yeah. Because I feel like it's not funny if you actually the the fact that like you spend this whole time like like following this wild goose chase and it's like very clear that they're 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 like uh uh very much like I don't know what's a what's a good metaphor for like a show. There's something I'm thinking of where it's like people chasing this thing that turns out to really exist all along. I guess there are a lot of shows and stories like that where nobody believes them. Nobody believes there's a Hellmouth under Sunnydale, but it's here all along, and now people can finally see it. Um, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure what they were going so, for with that. There's a good piece by Cameron Kunzelman, um, one of his Postscript articles. Cameron has done some great writing about this game. I really recommend people go read it. He's just a smart, thoughtful guy who's like written a lot about Disco Elysium and just put yeah, a lot of thought into it. Yeah, and I liked this story too. It's and good. he wrote about the cryptid and it reminded me just of like of what the cryptid says and what the cryptid means. Because the cryptid is this, it feels like this magical, eternal thing that's kind of the world outside of politics and outside of culture. Like that's, in the moment to me, it felt like this completely otherworldly thing turns up in the middle of this very worldly story, a story about politics and murder and sex and sadness and alcoholism and personal struggles and whatever. Like, And then suddenly there's this impossible huge bug that looks like a stick that talks in like poems and is like poisoning this guy and making him crazy like with Mm -hmm. its you know accidentally with the toxin that it secretes and you're like okay what do i do with this to me it like there's a lot of specifics and i don't remember all the dialogue and stuff that i'm sure you could get into with what they're trying to say with its dialogue but having something at that exact moment in the story turn up that totally transcends everything that you're in it's like this it's an amazing moment of grace that reminds you of what's what the world really is like it's such a moving thing to have happen only because that happens in your life you know there are these moments where you're in your head and you're dealing with whatever your bullshit is and then just something happens or you see something that reminds you that like we're standing on a planet spinning in fucking outer space and like it's all impossible and we're tiny and nothing matters but everything matters to me i think that's like a really amazing thing for the game to do right at that moment irrespective of how you specifically choose to read it. That alone feels like a really meaningful reading, I guess. Mm. Um, that was That's sort of where I'm at. Did you guys find <laughs> the uh, billionaire in the crate? No. No, I, oh, I did read about it online, okay, and I was so, like, man, that would have been a good way to get money. <laughs> so you can <laughs> find this guy, find and um, you, sh- you guys should open up your saves and, j- and try to go find him. And just find him? It's very wild, but you find him, and basically he's so rich that you, he doesn't even take form for you. He's just like this spectrum of colors, like this, this illusion <laughs> of colors. And the whole concept is that because okay. he's so much wealthier than you, he's so such a kajillionaire compared to you, uh-huh. you can't see 
see him properly. But Kim, your partner, can because Kim is like normal, like has like a, a decent amount of money. Um, so mm. that disparity isn't quite as large. So Kim is just like, oh yeah, it's just this dude. Um, go check him out. He's a he's is quite, his name, quite a is character. his name Michael Moonberg. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> Beth Beth Jesus. Just, exists um, on yeah. a different plane of existence and you can't okay any final him. thoughts before we move on i have million a million but we've talked for so long i okay, i want to well, know i'd love to hear from listeners if they want yeah. to email us just tell, to tell us your us, endings yeah like what, we or didn't what do even you make talk of the about cryptid? kuno kuno is yeah. like a whole oh my god yeah, yeah there's so many him. things i never like, did but Jesus. you can i couldn't i couldn't either i failed to recruit kuno well you're supposed to like do the counterintuitive thing and give him the give him the drugs right yeah um okay cool let's table this one we can talk more about disco in the future and take a break and then get to some off-topic stuff and we are back once again kirk maddie let's talk about some non-video game things or maybe a tangential video game thing um (laughs) kirk first of all you have a show before we talk about the show that all three of us have watched uh, yeah, I so Maddie and I talked a little bit about Sex Education season two last week, and I just wanted to say that I finished it and I thought it was great. Um, I'm I'm with you. I it thought it was great. so good. Second to last episode, the bus episode was so mm. fucking good. And like, what is the show? I've never heard of this show. Give me a quick. Oh, it's on Netflix. Netflix. Description. It's great. It's like uh, I've never heard of it. How to describe? You it. have from us. You've just forgotten. Yeah, we've talked about <laughs> it on the show. It's um. Are you sure it wasn't uh, while I wasn't here? Uh, who knows? I, who, who it's, can so say? it's a show about high school kids in Britain, in a kind of like vague, slightly timeless Britain, but a modern high school. It's yeah, very like, like it's 2019, but it's also 1975 at right. the same time. And so there's this high school boy and his mom is a sex therapist for a living, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing enough in and of itself. And through a bizarre series of events, he he's also a virgin and like a total prude. And that's, that's part of his character. I'm not insulting mm-hmm. him. Yes, he's and quite uptight. So he... Through a bizarre series of events, he realizes that he's like learned through osmosis all of his mom's sex therapy skills just by living with her. And so he starts offering advice to kids at school about sex, even though he personally doesn't have any experience with it or know anything about Mm -hmm. it. But he's just transplanting his own mother's advice. And so people start coming to him more and more for sex advice. And it sets up a series of hilarious and poignant scenarios where this character who doesn't know about sex is helping out a lot of teenagers with their problems. Maddie, that was a really good synopsis. That was like, that was. Like the Netflix boardroom synopsis of this show, yeah, it's really good. It's um, Asa Butterfield. Is that how you pronounce his mm-hmm. first name? From and like Gillian Ender's Anderson Game and stuff. And Gillian Anderson is his mom. She's, she's amazing. And like, it's super good. It's <laughs> so. very like on the same frequency as Big Mouth. Like it, it, it's it's like mm-hmm. very explicit but very tender about it. But it's it. live nice. action. It's very honest. It's like super honest about sex and relationships. It's it's well acted. It's great. Oh man, there's the actor who so plays his friend this. Eric. Salt. Oh, you yeah. love it. It's great. Season two is so good. And there's a plot line in season two where um, one of the characters who has become one of my favorite characters, like oh, who became her. friends with Maeve. There's a lot of cool stuff about girls becoming friends with each other over the course of these two seasons and female friendship that's really good. And there's a plot line where a guy basically like jerks off on her on the bus like early on in the season, which is a thing yeah. that people do and does happen. And she's laughing it off, but then it's clear that it is actually really fucked with her and like they don't just drop it. Like it's, it becomes yeah. a whole thing for the season and it's really good. And then the way they deal with it is just like wonderful. And like this ultimate fantasy of like hmm. beautiful friendship. People it's so, it was coming such together. A great episode. Yeah. Cool. It was so a great episode. And a great I really like that they didn't drop it though. 
Yeah, like they they really like carried that through the whole mm-hmm. season and like showed her dealing with yep. it and like having all these different stages of mm-hmm. I, I just I liked it. It was really sad and real and I, yep. I enjoyed the show a lot. Totally it's, agree. It's like one of those shows where it's funny, but then a really serious, horrible thing happens and the kids have to deal with it. And you're I don't know, I mm-hmm. I feel like they've done a thoughtful job with just Yeah, about they're all just really honest, man. It's it always there's always moments where you're like, how's this gonna go? And then they yeah. just they deal with it really honestly. And I'm I just I really appreciated that about the show. It's mm-hmm. just really every side character who gets a new storyline, the swimmers whole storyline mm-hmm. is just yeah, really good. Great. So I don't want to spend forever on it because yeah. we want to talk Besides, about we all we watch talk the about same the other show for once in our lives yeah, so we can but, talk about uh, it yeah. but, uh, um, I, I like so it. It good. actually real quick so uh, I was home alone with the baby the other night I put the baby to bed and I was just and like you know I've, been, I've been writing all day <laughs> I just want to zone out for a second. So I like flip, flip through Netflix. I was like, oh, hey, The West Wing. Why don't I just put on some random episode of The West Wing? I love, I love that show back in the day. And mm. I have gotten to the point where like I've read this article. I think maybe Kirk suggested it at one point where yeah, it was probably. all about how like The West Wing has like ruined liberals and like made us all <laughs> believe in the power of decency and like created this smarmy world where like we all think like, oh, I'll punch up, you punch down and all this other <laughs> shitty stuff that The West Wing has done for culture. Um, but I just put on a couple random episodes just to zone out and watch something that I'm like familiar with and man for all of that smarminess it's still such a fun show to watch that like I, yeah, I don't think it's I'll good ever writing like, and it's great like, actors like, it. It, it, the characters yeah. are so good the acting is so good it's still such it's still it's not like one of those shows like House of Cards that I'll never be able to watch again because it's been corrupted by in some way by by like forces outside so I still have there a are characters on the West Wing that like Josh Lyman I just can't stand anymore like there, there are characters now that I watch and I'm like fuck off get, I don't, let's go over like every that. actor that but we I can never watch yeah, again. I, I, just, I can't help but want to talk about the West Wing. But let's talk about this, yeah, the, the actual hell, new Jason? show that we all. There's yeah, a video sorry, game TV that show that we all watched. You have to. I have four weeks of pent up things I know, that I have. No, I know how I've it been goes. podcasted I know how it goes. for so long, so I gotta get some stuff out. <laughs> That's all right. True, I know. So we let's talk about Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet, which is a TV show that we have all been watching. Um, it is an Apple TV Plus exclusive. So in order to watch it, you have to have Apple TV. I believe there's a free trial i got there a is. year-long free trial um just by getting a they're new just phone. giving those away they yeah, keep emailing me trying iPhone. to get me to sign up for it <laughs> um so uh it just came out a couple of weeks ago it's by the people who made always sunny in philadelphia and um mac from always sunny is the lead character of raven's banquet there are Rob also a bunch McElhinney. of other good actors in it um including ashley birch who was on good yes. split screen a couple of years split ago, screen guest ashley birch and Daniel um, Danny Pudi from Community. Danny Pudi, Puda, Pudi, Puda, yeah, Pudi. from uh, Community. It actually feels a lot because Megan Gans, one of the showrunners of this, was a writer on Community, so it has a lot of Community feel to it. Um, and it's just been a fascinating show because it's about a video game development studio, which is something we all know about pretty intimately. And it's been really, really interesting to watch for a lot of reasons. I have a ton of thoughts, um, but just like overall, my broad impressions were that the second half of the show is way better than the first half. And then episode five, which just kind of comes out of nowhere in the middle of the show, it just feels like they shot this movie and had nowhere yeah. else to stick in. We're just it's like, like a here, watch this film. standalone film. <laughs> it's incredible. It like blew my mind. I want to go watch it again. I highly recommend that like, even if you have no interest in the show, everyone should go watch episode five of this show. Um, so Kirk, why don't we start with you? What do mm-hmm. you think overall of Mythic Quest? 
So I've watched up through episode five. I have not finished. I gather that the rest of it is good. I read um, our friend Adam Rosenberg's write-up, who he mentioned, at least in his in his take, that episode five isn't just a vacuum episode. Like, it is tied in with the rest of the show. Kind like, of. I'm assuming there are some ways that I'm guessing it maybe does. but More, that it, And that what the show is kind of saying about creativity. More thematically. Right. Like, fits yeah. in with it. So, but yeah, I think it's, it's, I, it, at first, I was like, "Okay, this is this is fine. I'm not in love with it, but it's cute." And like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't match up with reality, but in ways that they have <laughs> yeah. to do. Okay, so mm-hmm. an example of this is in episode one. Um, I, you know what? Actually, Maddie, well, I don't know what you think of it. I'll say I'll, we'll get more in detail in a second. I'm, I'm like, already agreeing with you. I, you know, yeah. the first couple episodes. Ethan and I actually did a VG chat of this. If oh, people okay, would nice. like to read that, and it, I'll just recite what I already said yeah. in this VG chat. And Ethan and I agreed. Like the first couple episodes did feel a little uneven to me. There are parts that are super funny. Mm-hmm. There are parts that are just not just kind of fell flat for me. Some of it is the inaccuracies of the game development studio mm-hmm. and how it operates, which over the course of the show, like there's times when they show, it's sort of like a World of Warcraft-esque video game that they're making. It's an MMO. But they show and, Assassin's Creed footage. And, and they show honor. Assassin's Creed footage. But then also like there's a fight scene that's basically like a fighting game that's taking place in the game. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're there yet, Kirk, but that's not a major spoiler. It's basically just an example of how the game within the show is right. like 16 different yeah, kinds of games the, according the to The streamer starts playing another game and it's like a space be. combat game and I was like, this is just yes. a different kind of video game. Like, this is like a completely yeah. different kind of game and like it's kind of Minecrafty at times. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first episode is about yeah. the lead programmer. The shovel. Like the shovel, which the way that that's introduced and like the fact that the entire creative lead team didn't know the shovel existed is like patently absurd or they have two testers that just sit in their office there's a lot of that stuff yeah Yeah. like there's there's a lot of things about the show that i'm like this is absolutely not how a studio works but you know it also doesn't really matter at the same time and like by the time you get to the end you're kind of like yeah okay people who know more about tv and movies are the people who made this show about games but there are some similarities there and there's certainly some in terms of like the way that creative people act around each other and like the sort of human truth in this in this world Mm -hmm. and like the streamer character I enjoyed so much as like a darkly funny real way for a kid to be compared to compared to like grandma's boy or like other similar oh grandma's boy this has gotten we've got we've come a long way first of all this so Um, I know I I get the sense that a lot of people have been I'm not surprised that this show exists because it just seems so ripe for it because like you mentioned Grandma's Boy we've had for so long video games is a big part of the culture people know how video games are made and yet every depiction of them on the screen makes no fucking sense and has so far from reality. <laughs> this is, like, made by people. I mean, Ashley Birch is a staff writer, I think, on this show. Like, there mm-hmm. are people who yeah. know video games and, like, know what yeah. they're doing. I and, read like, an interview really of that, that they, Rob, Rob McCallany, McCallany, is that how you McElhaney. say it? He, he said that he made the writing room into two groups. One group, like, one half of the writing room are people who love and care about video games, and the other half don't give a shit because he wanted to make sure it would be appealing <laughs> to, to both that's groups. Great. Oh, that's Which smart. is a fun, fun way of doing it. So, um, and the show feels all, like that. You can kind of see it in the show. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. The, the, the seams. Um, so first of all, I mean, it's it's a show about... So I just want to reiterate, the second half of the show is so much better than the first half. Like, Makes it feels sense. like it took a little while for it to get its legs. But the second half of the show is when it really reveals what it's trying to do. And they're ready. They mm-hmm. already greenlit a second season, so there's going to be more. And, like, it feels like the characters have really, like, gotten in place by the second season. The show is fundamentally about the creative director, Ian. <laughs> Not Ian, Ian. Ian. Ian, and yeah. um, 
and uh, what's her name? Poppy. Uh, Poppy, Poppy, the, yeah. the lead programmer. It's fundamentally about the two of them, and then obviously there are B-plots involving everybody else, and they're all great characters. Like, the characterization in this show is great. But fundamentally, it's a show about the two of them, and that is, like, revealed more and more, especially towards the latter half of the season. And that has made me really excited about what's coming next, because it, like it, it felt like towards the end, they really got their vibe. They really got the show off the ground. Because um, it could have gone in so many ways, especially with I and they wound up turning him into a much deeper character than the commercials might have made it seem or like the first episode might have made it seem so yeah. they're doing some really interesting things with this show and i'm actually really excited about like where it's going to go moving forward yeah there's so i really liked the line there's a lot of stuff about creative partnerships in this show and that's what episode five is about so episode five this isn't like a huge mm-hmm. spoiler but it's a standalone thing and it features the actor from like everything he's from new girl mm-hmm. and he was peter <laughs> yep. b parker in in the spider verse and her name is um kristen melody Miliodi. she was the mother from how i met your mother, mother. right yeah yeah yep. and yep. um and it's the two of them and it's about their creative partnership and also like their life together and i won't spoil anything that's it's, it's an unspoilable thing it's an incredible episode about the story of like people making a thing together and then the compromises you make doing that and it was so good and it's not funny it's like no. the only laughs you get from this episode it's are sad. like laughs of recognition or of being like mm-hmm. but you there's a sense of doom over the whole thing you know this isn't going to end well and it's just this like beautifully acted beautifully written thing that was directed by Rob um, McElhaney and written by I believe his sister and so they made it together which is also another layer of really cool you know creative partnerships on top of things it's yep. like crazy to me that an episode that good exists in this show. Not also, because it's the, the show one that good. feels the realest for the video game industry. Um, it does. Like, like there's time stuff, stuff like an indie studio and like that game being made in the nineties. Yeah, like there are things where like, like things okay, about it that don't really work. But but, but, but you just, whatever. You ignore like, those. <laughs> it's so believable, and but that's what it matters. Feels, yeah. Uh, that's the, the emotional thing. truth is there. The whole, well, that's, that's kind of just true across the board. That's yes. true of the whole show. Is exactly. That, like, despite, even though it makes no sense that like the lead engineer is in these meetings where they're talking about right. like, some other not, like monetization or something. Like, yeah. it, right. It, or everybody's the, in the room the, when they're doing mocap and it's the creative director right. in the mocap suit. Like, <laughs> right. exactly. stuff where you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, even though so much of that is so silly, it feels real because it doesn't feel like they're like glamorizing game development in a way that's not true. It feels like they're capturing a lot of the ugly realities of it. Um, <laughs> Um, including Nazi people storyline. staying late and Kirk you're in for like like there's one episode in the latter half of the season where they really like directly touch upon crunch in a way that feels very real and so well, and there's, there's the scene there's where like a gameplay versus narrative debate between two characters like there's stuff yeah, that exactly. you're like okay these people are like give a shit right. So yes. the the episode five thing to me makes it clear that by you, you mentioned it's like it, the, it's emotionally believable and that that's mm-hmm. what matters about the show. And I think that that's super true. And it's it's true even a little bit before episode five. But episode five is really where it like finds its center. And it's like this is a show about creative partnerships and like that flow of information and compromise and how you make things. And then you look back at the early episodes and it's like, oh, it, it kind of has been about that this whole time. It's just mm-hmm. it also feels kind of like Silicon Valley, which like what was Silicon Silicon Valley ever even about like I I lost interest in that show eventually because I was like I don't I don't know I don't get it where this feels like they have a point and there's a beautiful line in the first episode where Poppy is talking to Ian and she's like I feel like I'm your favorite brush and they keep referencing this throughout mm-hmm. she's like you're a, mm-hmm. this brilliant painter and I'm your favorite brush and I just wanted to make something for myself and like uh-huh. that first off is just like a great line and like a really great image and it totally captures how some creative partnerships work and like I'm very interested to see how that plays out because episode five perfectly like 
land. They're like, this is what uh-huh. we're doing. Like, it is about this idea. And I was like, okay, I'm really interested in this. So, yeah. Good. It's way better than I thought it was going to be. Well, so show. what you just brought up reminds me a lot of community. And like I mentioned before, this has a lot of community feels. And, and that community was, uh, in, despite all the silliness and the ridiculous things that happened, like that that uh, water gun fight in the at the end of the second season. I don't know if you guys watch Community. But oh, like of course. Some, yes. That yeah, was great. That, yeah, that paintball, not water gun, paintball, paintball fight at the end of yes. the second season. Modern Warfare. Um, Isn't just, that episode called Modern, yeah, Modern Warfare? Warfare. <laughs> yeah. Despite all the absurd things that happened, fundamentally, it was a show that was saying something and it was saying, like these broken people need each other to survive, yeah. right? Community. And so this is this is also saying like this is also saying something overall uh, about like creative partnerships and how they work and what mm-hmm. they look like, and it's it's really what makes this what like turns this from what could be just like a silly throwaway fun show about games into a bunch of like gamer references Mm -hmm. and yeah for me it really worked especially towards the end i was kind of like off on it uh or i I was kind of like not totally in love with it at first but like Mm -hmm. uh, episode five is really the point where it was like i'm all in i'm gonna watch every single episode of this as it comes out um one other thing we should mention is that of course kotaku plays a big role that is true we should talk about the kotaku but they do acknowledge Kotaku, we exist. Which is apparently we are a mentioned thing. a few times. Um, I are. paused. I paused the show when they showed the I front page too. of Kotaku. Some, oh, yes. It's some made-up name uh, as the bylines. There's did some you funny notice headlines. Though, it's the one made-up guy. There are a couple bad headlines. I wish I had screencapped it and we could talk about it right now. But they got the uh-huh. week in games. They had like a furniture yeah. post, yep. like a weekly yep. furniture post was there. I was yep. like, wow, these people have read Kotaku. Yeah, well done. <laughs> like, read Kotaku. I mean, it's yeah. like I don't know. I've like edited <laughs> Anthony Birch, like, and he published things for Kotaku. So I guess they. These people definitely yeah. really, really and Ashley was they on know. our show. Just yeah, a yeah. shout out if anyone listening to this is part of the production crew for Mythic Quest and you want to get Kotaku split screen on on oh Mythic my Quest, God, let yes. us know. Let us yes. know. We're <laughs> down. We're down. We could have someone come on and pretend to be whatever that guy's. It was like Ryan something, the writer, yeah. who then had a byline on all of the articles on Kotaku, uh-huh. which was a little yeah, hard to yeah. believe. Well, only one person have... works for Kotaku, and it's that guy. Yeah, it's so just that guy. Have I and, what if Ian comes on as like a guest for Kotaku split screen? Let's make it happen. Anybody listening, I would. Do that in a in a heartbeat. There was a headline. What was that? It was like it was like what to do if you have to have a bowel movement while playing an MMO. There were like things I was like, no, no editor at Kotaku would let that headline get on the page. Come on. (laughs) Also, like the Photoshop at the top of the article. I was like, we would never. Legal would not have cleared this Photoshop. Like, isn't it like a Photoshop of Ian like as a Nazi or something? I was like, that would fly here. It's something like that. It's something absurd. I don't remember what exactly. The lead was like, when you're busy MMO RPGing. I was like, nope. That lead would get killed by an editor. <laughs> but it was super fun, like the way they mentioned Kotaku and Polygon and like some other places too. Um, I thought was was really fun. Just any time yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I used to work there. That's I know that. I know that. Place. Yeah, you get to just have that little blast of yeah, egotism. That was that was really why I liked the show. It was just that one thing. Yeah, really exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice that it's nice to see the show and have it be like coming at the games industry and the dumb things about the games industry, like the streamer culture and the buttholes and stuff like that. But yeah. it's clearly coming from a place that like they know their shit and they clearly like games and aren't coming mm-hmm. at it from like a, a perspective of like, look at this stupid video game industry. Like, look at these stupid gamers. It's it's just all very well done in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I think. Definitely some misses, but more hits than misses. And yeah, overall, I really, really like the show. Yeah, I'm psyched to watch the um, rest. Cool. So anything else? I think that's it for off topic. So why don't we move into Kirk's music pick of the week?
Yeah. Uh, there's a new Strong Songs. It's a mailbag episode, which is just a bunch of different things. But someone wrote in to ask about the music pick this week, which is uh, a D'Angelo track from his 2014 record. D'Angelo is so good, man. And this question was like, what are they? How are they doing this with the vocals, where it lays back so hard on the beat that like it almost sounds like it's wrong, only it's not. So as there's a section talking about laying back and what laying back is and how people do it, D'Angelo's like the master of it. So that's the music pick. Everybody should go listen to this album, though. It's super good, and to Voodoo, his of course his earlier one that was the the big hit. But um, that's it. So here is a clip from D'Angelo and the Vanguard with Ain't That Easy, which is the opening track on his 2014 album, Black Messiah. Shit. I just cool know D'Angelo from Red Dead, but that was a great song. In Red That's Dead. right. He has a song in Red Dead. That's right. And, uh, great song. Man, great. There's section. a whole story there. With you remember the video for how does that or how does it feel? Or it's called Untitled. The song. How does it feel? And he's like naked in the video, but it's like just from his sort of waist, lower waist up, and he he's like really hot in the video and then there's a whole thing I don't know I, he, he was like really objectified because of that and like women like loved him and they would come to the shows and be like screaming at him and he went oh, through I a do whole remember personal all of this. thing and he went through a whole thing yeah, about he, it it was really like, messed with him I... and it was super yeah, tough yeah, yeah. and he like didn't make music for a long time because he was like what am yeah. I even doing like it's a I remember reading about that too yeah. and then he came back with this album and it's like the shit I mean the guy well, is like <laughs> he's such an amazing musician he plays like every instrument and uh, he'll like multi-track stuff and it's like He's such a monster. Everyone should really check him out. He's like one of the great geniuses of like music right now. But anyways, man, what a what a track. What a what a groove. Cool. So cool. I believe that is it for this week's episode, except Kirk forgot to mention the music clicks playlist and Spotify. Oh, yes, yes. That's true. <laughs> we put we're putting them in show in the show notes now. We but are. you can is that enough? you can okay, subscribe to uh, to the to the playlists on Apple Music or Spotify and I I got to update them. They're a little behind. I'm going to update them today and so you will find the new picks on those playlists if you subscribe to them. Fantastic. All right, Kirk, Manny, see you guys next week. Yeah, see you both next week. Bye. Kotaku Split Screen is the official podcast of Kotaku.com. It's produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the podcast and also wrote and performed our theme song and other music. You can find us on most popular podcast services and we hope you'll leave us a review if you like what you hear. Find old episodes at Kotaku.com slash splitscreen. Email us at splitscreen at Kotaku.com. Kotaku.